give you a brief challenge from the Word of God as we continue on uh, with this thought that the church is still the answer. You say, what does the world need today? The the world needs spirit-filled believers living for the purpose of God's glory and the propagation of the gospel. And we think about the world, and we've even watching the turmoil of, of, of going on in the Middle East and all those things that are going on. But I'll remind you, the church is still the answer. And when I use the term church, I, I don't mean what happens here on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock or Sunday night at 6 o'clock or Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. What I mean is people who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, the Spirit of God living in them, and them living out that purpose. The church is not just an organization, but it is a living organism, the power of God and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ living in us and us living out His purpose. And we found our place in Acts chapter number 5 as we've continued on with this series. Somebody said, Brother Mark, how long are you going to preach on the book of Acts? And I say, I don't know, uh, but I am enjoying it so far. We left off last week with a spirit-filled church. Man, it was pretty. You know, they prayed together. The place was shaken. And, and man, they gave witness of the resurrection with great power. But then we had a problem. In the beginning of chapter number 5, we have Ananias Sapphira lying and to the Spirit of God. So you say, what happened? Uh, we'll find our place, and we'll take just for a text verse, Acts chapter number 5 and verse number 42. Acts chapter number 5 and verse number 42. And the Bible says this, And daily and in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. For a little while this morning, I'd like to take that verse and, and we'll talk about this story, what happens, but we'll take that verse and take it as a theme and take it as a thought that they did not quit. They ceased not. And when you find in this chapter, you find again another story of persecution, another crossing point when they had to decide if they were going to obey God or if they were going to obey man. If you go back with me to uh, this book of Acts in chapter 5 and verse number 20, I, I want you to notice this verse, and I'm going to use this as our outline today. And I think you can remember three words. How many of you think you can remember three words? And you find in Acts chapter number 5 and verse number 20 this the expression, Go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this Life And you find these three words, and we'll take them as our outline today. Go, stand, speak. You say, what do we need to do today? Go, stand, speak. What do they need to do if they're graduating eighth grade and going into high school? They need to go, stand, speak. What do they need to do if they're going into college? It's pretty simple. They need to go, stand, speak. You think about what's going on in the world today, and there is an attack on Bible Christianity. You say, well, that's a conspiracy theory, but you can just read what you want to. But there is an attack on those that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and those who say that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. I heard this statistic a few weeks ago, and I'll, I'll share it with you. They tell us that 52, somewhere between 52 and 63% of college freshmen that identify as born-again believers will deny the faith at the end of four years. 
Now, when you hear that statistic, you say, why is that? The gentleman I was listening to, he, he shared with the fact that there is an, an, an assault, an attack, that they think that if they can, uh, they can take these people who have been simple-minded, who have been protected by people and parents and churches like this that teach a Christian worldview, the fact that God created all things and therefore we are, he's responsible for all things and we answer to him for all things who, who teach those things about who Christ is, they they feel like they're doing them a, say, a favor by introducing to them secularism. And it is an assault. It is an attack. It's happening in the world today. You say, well, that would never happen to me. or That would never happen to uh, whatever group. Well, they tell us that 70% of teenagers, when they graduate high school, never walk back in church for at least years down, down the road. You say, what is happening? There's an attack on Bible Christianity. You watch the news today. You watch everything. It is happening. But can I say this to you? Satan's attacks are not new. They may be colored a little different, but they're not a new attack. You find here in Acts chapter number five, you find the same attack that is going on today. I want you to notice this first word with me, go. Say, so what did they happen after they buried Ananias and fire? The Bible says in verse number 12, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, and the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth sick folk into the, into the street and laid them on beds and couches and, and that at the, at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow them. And there came also multitudes out of the city round about unto them Jerusalem, bringing sick folk, and with them were vexed with the unclean spirits, and they were healed them. And you say, Brother Mark, you're reading about signs and wonders, and what about the signs and wonders movement? I'll remind you that in the early New Testament book of Acts that there were special judgments. Last week, they buried two, last week in our sermon, last week they buried two in the Sunday morning service because they lied to the Spirit of God, and there was a special time of judgments. These signs and wonders that you read about, I'll remind you that everybody was healed. There was nobody that was left out because they didn't have enough faith or there was something they couldn't heal from. This was a special time in church history where God accompanied the gospel with the signs and the miraculous wonders where Peter could just walk by and his shadow would heal people. But I say this to you, we have the written word of God and we do not need the accompanying signs now. Uh, Corinthians tells us that that which is in part will be done away with, but I want to remind you, God still works. Now look with me in verse number 12, 13, and 14. We'll find something about this church that's moving forward. You first find that they were unified. Notice this emphasis again, that they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. They were back doing what they had gotten trouble for before. If you remind yourself, they were preaching on Solomon's porch before the lame man was healed and then they were arrested and they were threatened and they were said, don't speak anymore. But you find even after all of this, they were back in one purpose with one accord preaching the gospel. And then you find a second thing, they were magnified. The people were beginning to talk about that in verse number 13. He said, nobody joined them, but the people magnified them. There was great power. There was great grace. There was great fear. They were the talk of the town. And then you find a third little thing here in verse number 14. They're multiplied. 
There were multitudes of men and women that were joining themselves to this group of New Testament believers. It was a miraculous thing. And you say, man, that's wonderful. I'm thankful for the Apostle Peter and the Apostle John and, and those other leaders that though they faced persecution, though they faced threatenings, they didn't stop. They stood and they preached with purpose and they preached with power. And I'm thankful for those that joined to them. But you say, Brother Mark, what does that have to do with us today? I want to remind you of a very simple truth, and that is this. They went where God planted them. They're preaching in Jerusalem because that is where God has placed them. They were doing it with one accord, with one purpose. And I have to ask you a question today. Why are you alive? Why do you have the job you have? Why are you going to the school you're going to? You say, to get an education. I say, no, look long beyond all that and realize that what we have a responsibility to do is to go everywhere God has placed us and testify of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. God has planted us here. God has placed us here. When you go, you're not going to live life and die. If all you're going through is the motions of living and dying, then life is misery. Life has no purpose. But now this New Testament church, these New Testament believers, baptized by the Spirit of God, filled with the Spirit of God, controlled by the Spirit of God, they now were going every day with a different purpose. We get to Acts chapter number five and verse 42 that they went daily in the temple and house to house and they ceased not. They lived life for a purpose. And I ask you a question, why are you living life? So I'm living life to raise a family. Well, that's noble. But can I say this to you? Life's more than that. So I'm living life to be rich and make money. Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus told him, said, the rich young ruler said, a man's life consists not in the abundance of things. So I'm living to stay healthy. I got bad news for you. It won't last long. My question for you is why are you alive? They went with a purpose. They were unified, they were magnified, they were multiplied. And I say this to you, go where God has planted you. Go daily with a purpose, with a vigor of life. You say life's hard, there's things we deal with. We deal with cancer, we deal with sickness, we deal with problems, we deal with family problems. All those things are true. But can I ask you a question, are you going with a purpose? Then I want you to notice the second word, not just go, but notice the second word, go stand. Say, man, that's good. Multitudes are joining, yeah. I mean, they, they men and women everywhere. Well, that's good. Say, everybody must have been happy about it. Look in verse number 17. The Bible says this. Then the high priest rose up and all that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. And they laid hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Now, I want everybody to look right here at me and I want to tell you something. Satan will never be happy when God is working. God starts working in your family. Things start getting in line. Everything starts going good. Well, then don't be surprised when the devil shows up. I preach a message in the Garden of Eden. Everything's perfect. Well, guess who showed up? The Satan showed up. You say, I make a decision, I'm going to go for God. Don't be surprised. You say, well, the church gets blessing and we have good days and, and we have good offerings and we see people saved and baptized. Then never be surprised when Satan shows up. 
There are religious people who will never be happy when the Spirit of God moves. <laughs> there are secularists that are striving to hold on to a system that will never be happy when God moves. And you find in verse number 17 that they were moved with indignation. Why were they envious? Why were they mad? Because they told them to quit preaching about who Jesus was. They said, we already told you. I said, don't preach anymore about who Christ is. You say, why were they upset? They were preaching about resurrection power. The Sadducees, by the way, didn't believe in the afterlife. They didn't believe in angels or anything supernatural. They, were, they just believed in naturals. Boy, that sounds pretty familiar today to a group, doesn't it? They say, do you believe in the hereafter? Yeah, well, I do believe in the hereafter. So you believe that there are angels unaware? Oh, I do. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual power. And you think about, is that really going on? Yes, that's going on in the world today. And you find the same crowd, they don't want to hear anything about, they don't want to hear anything spiritual. They only want to hear what they believe and see and feel and touch. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. You say, what's the importance about that? Faith and logic are not twins. Logic's what I can know and explain. Faith is when I can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in him. And here you find them upset about the fact that they had great success and they were envious. There was now this great conflict. Please don't miss this. There was a great conflict between the living truth and dead traditionalism. The Sadducees, their job was to protect the law and to protect the Old Testament, said nothing can affect it. Well, when Christ rose from the dead, it changed everything, and their way of life was in a struggle. And when you find over and over and over and over again in life, there's going to be this paradox between people that only want to believe in what they know and what they see and what they can feel and what they can touch. And when we say, oh, the Lord Jesus Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave. He's victorious over it all. He's got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. The Bible says that at the trump of God, the church will be raptured out and, and those that know him will go up to be with him. And they look at you like what you talking about that's that conflict okay can i explain something to you if we are right and i believe we are according to the word of god then they are wrong and if they're wrong they've got a serious problem so no wonder when they hear the truth the bible says they're moved with indignation if what you're doing with your life doesn't upset a few people, then I wonder about your Christianity. You'll find in just a minute, these people, they could go and they could have stood, but in, and they could have just kept their mouth shut. Look at me. It would have saved them 39 stripes, but it would have displeased their Lord. In the world today, you're always fighting this battle to fit in, to fit in, to fit in. But please don't miss this, young people, old people. Our God has not called us to fit in. God has called us to be salt and to be light. You can't do what everybody else does and please the Lord. You can't be what everybody else wants you to be, what your family wants your family to be, that what they want your youth to be, what they want your career to be, and please the Lord. They, they said to these disciples, if you'll just be quiet and live like the rest of us, it'll be okay. They said, no. No, you read the rest of this. They, they put them in jail. In verse number 19, the angel opened the doors. 
Sometime, it happened again later in the book of Acts, I believe chapter number 12, at midnight, Paul and Silas happened and they just, they just opened the doors. They're in jail, doors open. Look, angel says, now it's time to get up and go preach. <laughs> now, wait just a second. That's what we got here in trouble for. No, and the angel, that's the message. By the way, verse number 20 is the message of the angel, which is kind of ironic because the Sadducees didn't believe in angels. And the angel lets them out and tells them to go preach. He says, go and stand and preach. Now, for the sake of time, we won't read the verses 21, 22, and 23, but they were all locked in. Next morning, they come to show up to check on those prisoners. But look at verse number 25. It gives you a good summary of what happened. It says, then came one and told them, saying, behold, the men whom you put in prison, they're standing in the temple teaching and preaching the people. <laughs> so y'all go to the jail cell and look for them. They said, no, you better go back to Solomon's porch. Them fellas are back preaching exactly what you told them not to preach and exactly where you just arrested them for. And I'm saying to you today, it is time for the church of God, the people of God, not to just go, but to stand. You say, it didn't go well. They're going to make fun of me. They're going to mock me. They're gonna, I'm not going to get to have the promotion at work if I, if I don't cheat, if I don't steal, if I don't shade the truth just a little bit. You have to ask yourself the question, who are you standing for? Are you living for yourself? Are you standing for the one by whom you'll stand for one day and give an account of every thought, every word, every deed? See, if you'll learn to stand for God now, you won't have a problem standing before him in future. He says, look, he says, they stood. They stood. Verse 25 summarizes it. They risked their lives. Then verse 27 says, they brought them before the council and the high priest asked them. That high priest ain't figured out that's a bad thing to do. Ask a Baptist preacher what he's talking about. It says in verse 28, saying, did we not straightly command you that you should not speak in his name? He said, did you not understand our command? He says, did we told you? By the way, they won't even say the name of Christ. They said, you won't speak in this name. And said, now behold, you filled Jerusalem with this doctrine, attending to bring this man's blood upon us. They knew if they, who the Lord Jesus Christ was, if they admitted him as Christ, as the Messiah, as the promised one, then they knew that his blood would be upon their hands. You see, an interesting thing is they risked their lives for the truth. They could have escaped a beating if they kept their mouth shut. But an interesting thing about the Sadducees and this religious sect, look, please don't miss it. They had problems with these miracles they couldn't explain. But what they ended up doing is creating another miracle that they couldn't explain. It's interesting how God turned the tables. People being healed, people being sick, lame people walking. And they said, we're going to put you in prison. And the guards are there and everything's safe. And, and all of a sudden, they get out. And now the thing that they were trying to put them in prison for, they've created another one. I think it's interesting when God turns the tables on the religious world of today. And then let me give you this third thing and I close. Go, stand, and then look, speak. You say, well, I'm sure Peter took a little edge off of it. No, 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 no. Look at verse, Peter, look at verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. He said, now we've already had this conversation once. I'm paraphrasing, but if you go back a chapter or two, you'll find that Peter already told him, said, you tell me, is it better that we obey God or we obey man? Peter says the same thing. But now look in verse number 30. He says, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew on a tree. 
but they ain't taking the edge off of it just a little bit. Peter didn't say, well, we believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I know you didn't understand that, and therefore you might have misinterpreted that. He just looked at him and said, you killed him. Then notice in verse number 30. I'm sorry, verse number 31. Him hath God exalted at his right hand. You find the idea of the right hand, of course, a place of provision, a place of authority, a place of honor. And he says he's the prince. He's the pioneer. He's the leader of it all. He's the savior. He's the one, he's the one that not only saves the body, but saves the soul. He says, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And he says, and by the way, all we're doing in verse number 32, we're just witnessing of these things. So it was also the Holy Ghost whom God has given them to obey him. He says, you're going to either be obedient to the faith or you're going to be disobedient to the faith. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not trying to pitch a, a, a fit on anybody, but that's where Christians have to get to when we're back down and back in the corner dealing with persecution, dealing with wanting people to take the edge off of it. We just have to say he's the one that God has highly exalted. He's given him a name above every name. At the name of Jesus, every tongue shall confess, and we remind ourselves of who he is, and then the question is up to them whether they're going to be obedient to the faith, whether they're going to trust in Christ as their Savior, whether they're not. That is their choice, but please don't, please miss this. If Christians do not go, and Christians do not stand, and Christians do not speak, then sinners have no voice to call them to repentance. You read the story here, it goes on in verse number 34 through 40, you find the story of Gamaliel's in influence and he says the Pharisee said it real simple in verse number 38 he said leave him alone and if it's if this is truly a work of man it'll come to naught verse 39 says this but if it be of God you cannot overthrow it lest you be in fight to fight against God even the Pharisees know said now look if this is really of God we can't fight against it. of course Camille classified Christ with two rebels earlier and he made the success the goal but of course success is not the goal he was a religious politician. And please don't miss this. We've got him today. They'll tell you anything you want to hear to be at peace. We got him in the political arena. We got him in the religious arena. And he calms them down with his little political speech. But notice in verse number 40, it says, And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles, they beat them. We read that very, very quickly, just beating them. But they tell us that's 39 stripes. It says, and they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. And they let him go. They said, man, we're going to teach him a lesson. But look in verse number 41. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer. Shame for his name. Now I ask you a question. We whine about religious persecution in America, but the truth is America has been the most religiously free nation on the earth. We whine and we say, well, what if we lose our tax-exempt status? Who cares? There are people that have been beaten, mocked, and martyred for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how cowardly, please don't miss it, how cowardly it is for churches to back down and take the edge off. How cowardly is it for Christians in private conversations to just say, well, I guess Jesus is just as 
good of a God as your God. No, no, no. He is the Savior. He is the Prince of life. He is the one seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And what a shame it would be for you and I to back away when you consider the countless martyrs the church history tells us that were beaten and mocked. It's cowardly to compromise. You see verse 41, very simply, it says, and they departed rejoicing. Verse 42, it says, and daily in the temple, in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach. Notice this, they were at it daily. Good days, bad days, they were at it daily. Everybody's a witness. And can I say this to you? You say, well, I don't bl- I'm not a witness every day. You are a witness every day. You're either a good one or a bad one. You get to chide. They well, did it daily. They did it in the temple. <laughs> now, <laughs> I, I got to hasten. They went back to the place that got them in trouble, but it was the open door before them. They used every open door to witness. They didn't back down. They did it house to house. Of course, we understand the house churches in that part of the world at that time, but I'll say this to you. They didn't limit it to religious places. See, that's what the world wants you to do. They want you to believe whatever you want to inside these walls for one hour a week. And they said, no, no, no. And daily and in the temple and from house to house, notice this, they ceased not. Notice to teach and to preach. Preaching having to do with the emphasis on evangelism. Teaching having to do with instruction on what they believe and why they believe it. He says this, every day without ceasing. They kept preaching. They kept going. He said, the beating stop them? No. The threatening stop them? No. You know, people say a lot of times, I'm going to start this or I'm going to start that. That's one thing. But I say this to you. You can tell a lot more about a person about what it takes to stop them than it does to start them. And if we're not careful, please don't miss this. And I'm not being hateful and I'm not being mean. But if we're not careful... We'll let the religious leaders take the edge off our message of Christ being the only way of salvation. We'll let their threatening say, well, what about this and what about that? And what about this? Look, I'm not trying to be smart, but I would hate to deny my Lord for 9.75% sales tax. You say, what are you going to do if the government takes your sales? Who cares? My question is, in light of beatings and mockings are we willing to back away the Bible says this please don't miss it they ceased not ask a question look at me are you going in life with a purpose oh we got to work we got careers I'm thankful for these young people and the careers they're choosing that's wonderful if God leads them that way that's wonderful I'm not saying there's anything wrong with taking your family or having a career but are you going and living life with a purpose and then let me say this to you are you standing Because if you go with a purpose, you will have an opportunity to stand. And please don't miss this. Look at me. If you will go with a purpose and stand with a purpose, you will have an opportunity to speak for our Lord. Go, stand, speak. I want you to bow with me in prayer.